Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, welcome back to another edition of the Unreasonable Odds Podcast. I'm Steve Buchanan, along with Julian Edlow. Uh, we're going over all the week two things that you want to know and need to know before you make your bets over on DraftKings Sportsbook. We've got a jam-packed show, so we're not going to waste too much time here with an intro. But we got John Hyslop's coming on, going to talk some props on the week two board. And then, of course, we're going to talk with Johnny Avello. Odds are that is coming up next. Uh, Julian, before we get to any of that, though, we got to remind everyone everybody about the new early win promotion on the DraftKings Sportsbook. You have to opt in on the Sportsbook. But if either one of those teams goes up by seven, you win your money line bet there. So really cool promotion there. I mean, quite frankly, you could, you know, you could, both teams could win this one. We, we saw that happen last exactly. week. Exactly. So well, this is, a no, win. we didn't. I mean, the we saw if you bet the bills, I mean, you would have won your ticket anyway, but you yeah, cashed on the first drive of the game. You win. Yep, absolutely. So make sure to get on that on DraftKings Sportsbook. And speaking of everything Sportsbook, let's get to odds out with Johnny Avello. All right, you hear the music. That can only mean one thing. It is time for Odds Are with Johnny Avello. Johnny, how we doing? Excellent, guys. Thank you much. Yeah, you would be doing excellent. Sure. I'm sure we are doing excellent. Um, we'll get into that. I would. I do have to lead with. I didn't. I didn't put this in the questions, but I knew that we were bound for Allen Robinson doom as soon as Johnny admitted he maybe liked the idea of what the public was doing, getting behind the Allen Robinson props. Um, the guy. The, the guy was a no show. Uh, no show like many of the favorites in Week One on this NFL board. Lots of heavy public favorites went down in week one or tied in week one. Um, survivor pools, you look around, they've been cut more than in half certain places. Uh, yes, we know you enjoyed it, Johnny. Just how good was week one for the book uh, from these games? Uh, it was just phenomenal. Um, record <laughs> handle uh, and revenue-wise, extraordinary. Uh, now, you shouldn't be surprised, guys, because... It's week one, and last year's week one had similar circumstances. And so I'm, I'm looking at this, and I'm saying, why is this? Why are these two weeks very similar? Well, after evaluating, I believe it's the shorter preseason. Uh, teams aren't just quite in sync. Um, you know, so I, I think that could be one – we're on to something here. They've shortened the preseason even more. Maybe it's going to go two weeks. But it, it just doesn't seem like some teams are, are, are ready to play football. And if you if you look at it like the Broncos didn't play their starters in the preseason, come out completely rusty, lose as touchdownish favorites. Packers didn't play their starters in the preseason. They score, uh, what, I think, seven points or whatever. So They weren't winning that game anyways. They weren't. I like the Vikings this year. But <laughs> what, Johnny, what were the, the games that were the most profitable for, for DK Sportsbook out of that week one slate? 
Uh, Bucks Cowboys. That was the best for the house. Now that was an isolated Sunday night game, so that had the biggest handle, and that was the best game for us of the day. Um, and that's surprising because normally the Bucks are a team that is bet on and dra- DraftKings for the last three seasons. You know, it's one of the top teams grabbing money. Um, others, uh, Packers, Vikes, uh, Giants beating the Steelers in OT. Uh, oh, no, that, was, that one wasn't on OT. It was o- the Bengals and Chargers. Uh, was that it? Oh, no, Steelers Bengals, and Bengals. That was Bengals, the OT. Steelers yeah. was the OT game. Yeah. That was a good one for us, too, yeah. And uh, Chargers covering against the Raiders. They, all those games were very good for us. So on the other side, what games did make money for the betters? And I would assume Julian be ready for the next question because this list is going to be short. Yeah, just a couple. Uh, (laughs) Chiefs at the cards were heavily bet pre-game and also in-game. So the Chiefs continue to be one of the public favorites. Uh, And the betters also love the Ravens over the Jets. That point spread climbed up to seven. Uh, from a much shorter number, a lot of, a lot of that had to do with uh, Joe Flacco being the starting quarterback. All right, we lick our wounds. We move on to week two. Uh, Chiefs taking a lot of money on Thursday night football, hosting the Chargers without Keenan Allen on a short week. Uh, Bengals getting mashed against the hopeless Cowboys. The look-ahead line there was Dallas minus two and a half. And now here we are with Cincy up over a touchdown. Some things have, have happened there, obviously. What games are taking the most money early in week two, Johnny? Uh, yes, the Chiefs are up their four-point favorite from three. And, Jules, you did see the Chiefs and Mahomes' performance last week at Arizona, didn't you? I yeah. did. That's it what's fresh good. in the heading public's mind. Uh, though That type of performance drove this line up. Bengals are the early choice after the Cowboys' dismal performance. Uh, other games take in some early action. Browns over the Jets, up to six from four. Uh, Lions at home, who were one-and-a-half-point underdog, now the one-and-a-half-point favorite. Raiders for the home opener, up to six from the opener of two-and-a-half. Um, and then the what's the Packers and the Bears, that's the other. Packers over the Bears in the Sunday night contest. They just don't believe that the Packers uh, are going to have another poor performance. So we talked about some of the games that have already moved, coming off some of those week one performances. Which ones do you expect to move the most before kickoff on Sunday? Well, I mentioned one there, Steve, the Packers. Uh, That game opened up eights up to nine and a half. I think that's going to continue to rise solely because of the Packers just losing last week and looking terrible. Uh, But it's always a risk laying these type of points in a divisional rivalry. Um, I anticipate used Packer money, not only for the side, money lines, teasers. That's going to be a huge game for us to end the night. Yeah, it's the it's the Sunday night game too, so you know betters are going to be getting down on it. And uh, Green Bay, by the way, you might recall, neutral location in Jacksonville, week one last year, thirty eight to three Saints. What did they do? They come back, smoke the Lions at Lambeau by double digits. It's kind of a similar spot for Green Bay. Um, but I want to loop back to Dallas with you real quick, Johnny, because I'm just curious what goes into making the number with a team like this. They weren't doing anything with Prescott. You could argue Prescott was worse than Cooper Rush, although the game was kind of 
if you're watching that one, it just felt over the whole way. Um, so I don't know what Cooper Rush was going to do. But like I mentioned, look ahead line, Dallas minus two and a half. It reopens Cincy minus six and a half. I, I got on it then. It touches as high as eight. Sharps kind of buy it back down to, to seven and a half. Uh, like this one to me, when Prescott got hurt in 2020, the Cowboys lost six of their next seven games by an average of 18 and a half points. The next <laughs> game after he got hurt was in Dallas against Arizona. They lost that game 38 to 10. Uh, there's I there's no number like the sharp buyback. Like, I, I don't know when I would take it. So what what goes into this at this point? Well, the, you know, let's start with the Bengals. They didn't look too bad, just an abundance of mistakes. So their power rating didn't drop too significantly. And yep. the Cowboys just look bad everywhere right. offensively. Yeah. Now Cooper Rush is the replacement for Dak. Rush doesn't rush. You know what I mean? He, or should I say, uh, he's not a threat. Does he get better rushing to the window? Yeah. Um, and not a big-time passer either. You know, he's about seven and a half yards per completed pass. So the team is going to have to rely on Elliott and Pollard, who combined for about 60 yards last week. It's just not looking good right now. So um, just, to, you know, it, the Cowboys had high expectations. Uh, they've been lowered now. We'll see if they can play 500 ball for the next five or six weeks. Have any other divisional uh, winners taken a lot of money since the week one games wrapped up? Obviously, the Chiefs looked fantastic in week one. The Eagles now have a pretty major edge over Dallas. And then obviously that entire division, it feels like. And then the Vikings got that really crucial win against Green Bay in week one. How are some of those division winners, uh, if they've kind of uh, earned a lot of money since uh, Sunday uh, ended? Yeah, well, Philly's one of those teams is right. They've been yeah. taking money for the past two months, actually. Uh, to win that division because the betters like them even before Sunday. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the Prescott injury, that team now is that, you know, behind the Giants at four to one and behind the Commanders. Uh, so they are minus 150. Uh, a couple of teams, Vikings have taken some cash now to uh, become the division leader at even money. Packers are plus one and a quarter right behind them. Uh, the Ravens became a stronger favorite in the AFC North. Um, and we kept the Rams even money. That's that's a division where the winless NFC West, not a winner there. Uh, and, and guys, yeah, last Seattle. year, wasn't that the strongest division in uh, in football last year? Or, I thought it was. Yes, but they did get um, a win with Seattle, right? True. Although they're still la they're still dead last in the division odds. Yeah, that is true. Sorry. Yeah, I was thinking they all lost, but um, yeah, Seattle did get that win Monday night. I, I mean, yeah, a lot of teaser legs on the Broncos there, Johnny. That that would be a big big swing for the book. Give better some hope at the end of week one there. Um, another division one, real quick, that I thought was funny: the Colts wind up tying as seven point favorites. They were minus one thirty division favorites they grow to minus 140 division favorites by tying the Texans in week one because the division went uh, winless. But sticking yeah. sticking with the Colts, uh, Jonathan Taylor, in a game script where Indy's down the whole time, mashes his rushing prop, um, gets up to 31 carries, 161 rushing yards. He was floating around in the mid-90s all week for his rushing prop. Justin Jefferson getting a ton of hype this year. He's sitting in the low 80s, I think, receiving prop. He doubles it. Um, 
you know, for some of these guys that that are big name players and they come out week one and and demolish their their player props, do those hurt the book at all, or are those just so small in comparison to the handle of the games? No, they hurt. Uh, you know, we we got beat up pretty good on those two guys, especially Taylor. Uh, seems to be an automatic each week to score yeah. a TD. Jacksonville um, on tap this week. Yep, we had a prop up with uh, that said will. Taylor and, and Cup both score. And all I can tell you is ouch on that one. <laughs> <laughs> I, mi- I missed that one. Too much too much up for me to find that. Yeah. All right, let's talk about Offensive Rookie of the Year. That market is just completely wide open this year, especially when you look at last year. Six quarterbacks started the NFL uh, from that 2021 draft class, and then the Offensive Rookie of the Year ended up going to Jamar Chase, who just had an absolutely stellar rookie season. We have no starting quarterback in the uh, 2022 class, so it really opens up the entire market here. You look at someone like Dotson with the Commanders, just had three catches for 40 yards and two touchdowns last week, and that was enough to make him the favorite in this market. So what do you kind of make of this market? And do you expect this to kind of be shifting around all season long, at least as of right now, that's kind of what the, the feeling seems to be. You know, I love it when there's a market like this, that's wide open. And yes, I do expect this shift. Uh, you know, Drake London had a good week. Yeah. For the Falcons. He had five receptions. Uh, Chris Olave had three for the saints. Romeo Dubes, uh, He's a guy that's, you know, getting some touches from Rodgers. He's a guy to look out for because he's got the best QB of all. Uh, Pickens, one catch for three yards. But I, Trubisky said that he'll get him more involved in a few weeks. But, guys, I got news for you. In a few weeks, Kenny Pickett might be a starting I was just going to say, that's great on Trubisky, but there's no guarantee he's even going to be starting then. So let's relax on that. Exactly. And then, and then of course, Pickett will be in the mix. Right. Well, that's yeah. If, if Kenny Pickett is the guy that uh, you know starts getting Pickens the touches, then Pickett's the guy you want to bet on. Not not. Uh, not All right. Before we get you out of here, uh, Johnny, we got to touch on a little bit of college football. Just want to know what games won and lost the most for the book uh, last week, and which games are taking the most early money this week. Uh, Bama, Texas was the biggest bet game followed by Baylor, BYU. We did well on both of those games. Um, there were nothing really where we got killed on. There were just some that were moderate losses. Uh, A few taken good early action so far this week are Georgia at South Carolina, mostly Georgia, Oklahoma at Nebraska, mostly Oklahoma, Penn State at Auburn, that game swung from uh, Auburn, a one-point favorite, to Penn State, three. And uh, Miami, Florida, A&M, Texas A&M, that's a good one, too. So four big games next week. They seem to be taking the biggest action of anything so far. All right, there we go. Odds are with Johnny Avello. Uh, Johnny, thanks for the time, and we look forward to talking to you next week. You're welcome, guys. Thank you. All right, thank you to Johnny Avello for coming on as usual uh, and doing odds uh, odds are with us. And now we will welcome John Heislop, uh, one-time guest of the Unreasonable Odds podcast. He was decent enough that we welcomed him back from Odds Checker. John, how we doing? Uh, just living the dream, man. How about you guys? Yeah, yeah I mean, I guess you could say it that way. Uh, football is back. We're, we're, we're trying to recover from week one. That, that's, that's our uh, It happens. You had, like, what, 16 more weeks? 
That's what I keep no, telling 17 so. plus the playoffs. No, we'll we're be fine. good. We're good. <laughs> we have like four or five bad ones right in a row. It's not going to matter. <laughs> Let's try not to do it that way, but sure, I agree with you in spirit. Um, it's never all right. Over. Week two, we get going with uh, a pretty good one right out of the gates. Probably one of the better Thursday night games of the season in the ultra-competitive AFC West. Uh, 1-0 Chargers get it done with a cover over the Raiders. 1-0 Chiefs get it done with a uh, demolition of the Arizona Cardinals. They meet at Arrowhead on Thursday night. Uh, Kansas City, a four-point home favorite. I lean to Kansas City in in this game, honestly. Um, I think a lot of Chargers love, and they've won two in a row at Arrowhead. A narrative that these somewhat new look Chiefs are going to want to are going to want to look to uh, move past. But John, I know you're you're primarily a prop guy. You got some props here. The first one you sent me that we can we can start on. Nico Hardman um, caught only three of his six targets in Week One. Didn't get much for yardage. Did get a touchdown. But I think you like him to bounce back in this one. Yeah, definitely. They uh, they looked deep to him a couple times and just didn't connect. I mean, they catch one of those, you're all set. I mean, like this is one that could cover in literally one catch. I mean, it's like 35 and a half right now. Um, I'm not a huge stat guy, but air yards wise, I mean, unrealized air yards, he had like 96. I don't think there was any, there was one guy that had more than that. So, I mean, we're, we're looking good there. The fact that he was targeted six times and so many other guys were targeted like four times on the Chiefs tells you that, okay, well, he is a part of their game plan going forward without Tyreek Hill. I'm not going to say he is the Tyreek Hill replacement, but the deep balls surely made it, you know, made it look like they want him downfield. We just need one here. So I'd say let's just take a try. Yeah, I mean, he had – Hardman had six targets in that game, and uh, MVS, who had more yardage, uh, finished – he caught all four of his targets, but targeted just four times. So – the hierarchy in terms of receivers, target wise, Hardman was the wide receiver too. He just didn't connect on one of those uh, one of those long balls. Um, Steve, Thursday night thoughts, side prop, anything going on for you? Well, just uh, just kind of go off of that too. Um, so Asante Samuel Jr. was roasted in that game against the Raiders in Week One. Was targeted against 12 times, gave up nine receptions for 108 yards uh, and a touchdown. He did have an interception in that game, but that's going to be who Hardman is going to be primarily going up against in coverage. So uh, if you're looking at least at the weak link that we've seen thus far, Samuel Jr. will definitely be the guy there. I know obviously we're still waiting on the news for uh, J.C. Jackson. By the time you're listening to this, you probably do know if he's going to be in this game or not. Even if he's in this game, I don't feel like he's going to be uh, much of a – it feels like they're just rushing him back too early. Uh, I know they want to get him back on the field. He's obviously their big, uh, one of their big offseason moves that they made, but I don't want to throw him out there and try to get him uh, with the potential of being re-injured too, especially with an ankle injury. So not crazy about that, but at least Samuel Jr. was the guy um, that was getting picked on, and that's who Hartman should be seeing a lot in coverage tonight. So I do like that. I, I, I like the Chargers at plus four in this one here. Uh, Julian, you already mentioned it. Herbert's 2-0 at Arrowhead Stadium, which is great. Uh, he's played very well there, but uh, Herbert against the Chiefs, 3-1 and against the spread uh, in his career thus far, that short career that he's had uh, thus far. And then this is also something that was up to 
four and a half right when that Keenan Allen news came out, got uh, back down to four. So I, I like taking the four here. I think the Chargers just being a little bit undervalued in this one. I know that the Chiefs look fantastic in that game against the Cardinals last week, but you should be looking good against the Cardinals. That team's going to stink all season long. Uh, this fire-powered offense and the Chiefs should be able to go up and down the field against that team. But uh, this is going to be a much tougher matchup. That pass rush for the Chargers is no joke either with Khalil Mack, Joey Bosa. I think they're going to really try to go out of their way to disrupt Patrick Mahomes. Obviously, he's one of the better guys under pressure in the league, no doubt. But I, I just like taking the, the points here with the Chargers at plus four. Fair enough. Um, I think this defense will be much tougher, obviously, a test for Kansas City than than Arizona was. But I will say the Chargers should have closed out that game against the Raiders uh, you know, with more ease than they did, considering the mistakes mm -hmm. Derek Carr was making. I don't know if Mahomes is going to make those same kind of mistakes. Um, before we get to one other prop, I know you got some props and leans in this game for Thursday night, John. Uh, one that I wrote up in my Best Bets article, I guess it, I don't want to say it goes against. I don't know if it works with or goes against. You guys can decide the the Hardman prop. I don't mind Juju over the 55 and a half receiving yards. Uh, he had eight targets, six receptions in that opener against Arizona. 79 yards um and we like you touched on jc jackson steve whether he's he's either going to be in and potentially a little rusty or hobbled in a matchup like that or he's out and it's just a better matchup for juju in terms of whatever corner he draws i just think we're seeing a little bit too low in numbers given what juju's done recently but that was with a bad quarterback in roethlisberger and he was dinged up these last couple of years i think just plugging into the mahomes offense like for a wide receiver one, I know Kelsey's there, but for a wide receiver one of Mahomes to be checking in at 55 and a half yards on these props, it just seems a little low. I think later in the season, we're going to see these in the mid to high 60s once we once we kind of get rolling. So I just think it's a value spot on a on a Mahomes wide receiver one and Juju's healthy now and the Chargers uh, cornerback one position is kind of kind of up in the air. Either you guys have any thoughts on that one? I think both can. Both can happen. You know what I mean? It's not like a one or the Mah other. Mahomes had 360 yards yeah. in, I mean, in the opener. So the if you're Chargers, talking about in the 50s and 60s. Chargers put up a fight, which I, I, I'm I, sure they will. So it's not like the Chiefs are going to have to take their foot off the gas at any point in this game. Hardman can get 45 yards and Juju can have over 100. You know what I mean? Like all these things can happen. So it's basically just just pick your guy at this point with Kansas city, just because like you said, the lines are, are low and they're going to be higher later on. You know, you're not going to get these spots again. I, I would probably lean on the, or of caution of taking too many overs on these chiefs receivers. Cause do I think this is going to be a high scoring game? Yes. But with that being said, like, with the amount of pressure that Mahomes is going to be under tonight, that's what I'm a little bit worried about. What if, you know, he's going to have to get rid of the ball quickly. He doesn't have all this time to go deep downfield to some of these guys because all of his receivers really feel like they can go down and field, whether it's Hardman, uh, MVS, Miss Schuster, they all have that capability. But I'm also trying to give some respect to this Chargers defensive line too as well, which is going to disrupt a lot of this game plan. So what if this ends up being – you know, uh, more work for Clyde, which Hilaire may be through the air. Maybe he's getting some of these quick checkdowns here from Mahomes. Or what if this leads to more of Mahomes rushing, which is that's one I do like him going over 16 and a half rushing yards. Uh, only three attempts last week against the Cardinals, only five yards. That's very unlike him. Really didn't need to rush in that game anyway. So that wasn't like a necessity because they took care, care of that game so well. Um, this could be a different scenario here because if those guys are going deep downfield, the secondary is, you know, down the field, that opens up some lanes for Mahomes to run the ball. So over 16 and a half, that's a play I do like from Mahomes tonight. 
All right. Uh, Steve touched a little bit there on the Kansas City backfield, John. I know that's a place that you're going to for some props and even leans. Uh, interesting distribution in game one with uh, CEH not doing as much on the ground, but he did catch two touchdown passes. But the rookie getting involved in the backfield, we're talking about a game that the Cardinals had seven points going into the fourth quarter and got a couple of garbage time touchdowns. They were just kind of feeding a new body, fresh legs in that backfield, I think, eating up a lot of those snaps, and it kind of messes up what we would assume that distribution of snaps looks like. So where are you going, John, in the KC backfield for the Thursday night game against the Chargers? I like what Steve was saying. He's right. You know, the running backs might have to get involved in the uh, in the pass game. So Jarek McKinnon was targeted four times last time. His number's two and a half plus 115. You got to think that, I mean, like he could catch three balls tonight. That doesn't, that's, that's not a high bar, especially for a receiving back to, uh, to get over. When you look at, he played the same amount of snaps as CEH. Like you said, those, that distribution was all messed up, but he still ran 22 routes. I mean, like he was out there to catch passes. So if, if that's a thing, like if, like if he does have to get rid of the ball on Mahomes, McKinnon, I, like he could accidentally catch three catches or catch three passes for you and you cash a plus 115 ticket. So I'm definitely betting that just to kind of go with the Hardman angle just to cover myself. You know what I mean? 22 routes. I like that number. Three catches on 22 routes shouldn't be all that tough to yeah. achieve, especially if this, you know, we're talking about the, the Chargers defensive front. If they're going to get more pressure on Mahomes, that's more checkdowns rather than those those deep balls. Leads to some receptions for the running backs. Um, any anything else, Steve? Before we wrap on the Thursday night game, I think uh, grabbing uh, Josh Palmer some some of his stats here too as well. We've seen before when uh, so obviously Keenan Allen's out of this one when Josh Palmer steps into that wide receiver two role. Um, Herbert is not afraid to go after him. Uh, last year, Keenan Allen out against the Giants. Uh, Palmer caught five of his seven targets, 66 yards in a game that the Chargers won handily against the Giants, 37-21. You get him at over four and a half receptions tonight at plus 125, and we feel like both these teams are going to be scoring a lot in this game. That should be a number that's obtainable um, when it's really just Williams. I think Eckler's going to kind of struggle here tonight. I think they're going to really make a point to go on him. So if that really leaves Williams and Palmer open, I think Palmer at four and a half at plus 125. He likes that number. Uh, I think that's a good play for tonight as well. All right. Uh, let's open it up to the Sunday board. And even Monday, we got the Monday night doubleheader uh, in week two, a little bit different uh, this year. We can go anywhere here. Sides, totals, props. Um, John, I'll let you I'll let you lead the way here. I know you're mostly on props. Um, go ahead. I know you uh, Trey Lance in a little bit of a bounce back spot. I know that's one that you sent over to me. Yeah, I mean, the props are just trickling out now. But one yep. the first one that caught my eye was um, Lance. It's over 38 and a half rushing yards. He's done that in three of the four starts. That he's had real starts that he's had in his, in his career. Last week, they definitely wanted to run the ball. But, I mean, that was in a monsoon, so you can't really take much from it. But I don't think much changes against Seattle. I think I think the Seahawks got blown out and somehow won a game Monday night. I mean, they, they had twice where Denver tried to run into the end zone. They fumbled at the one. So, I mean, that changes everything, plus with the all the stuff that happened at the end of the game. So, I, I'm just not high on Seattle. I'm, they're still what I thought they were. I would imagine – Lance carries the ball 10 plus times. I mean, getting 38 and a half yards doesn't feel like a 
a very high bar for him to get over. I bet you that ends a little higher. That could end up in the like low 40s. Yeah, props usually trickling out on the Wednesday night, Thursday morning mm-hmm. on DraftKings Sportsbook. And uh, the ones that, that betters think are low are going to move up by kickoff. And that very well could be one of them. Um, Steve, anywhere you want to go on the Sunday board? You know, it's actually interesting. This is the game that you brought up. Like, I'm not, I'm not convinced really on any of the, the heavy favorites this week. And the 49ers are one of them, you know, minus eight and a half. Like, I kind of really lean towards Seattle on this side of plus eight and a half. Like, even if the, the 49ers win this game, which they should, like, are they going to really win by two scores? Like, I don't, I'm not, I'm not feeling it here. Like, I know that that game could have looked so much different as, you know, we mentioned that if Denver didn't fumble twice at, at the goal line, but I wasn't overly impressed with the 49ers either. either and I, I, I know that the conditions were, were, were pretty bad. So again, you really can't take away too much from week one, but like that was something I still think that they could have done more in. And then Kittle's not practicing again already. Uh, as we head into Thursday, mispractice Wednesday with that groin injury. I think that really just kind of takes away from the offense as a whole. So there's not many big favorites that I like this week, but I see Seattle at eight and a half. Maybe you could even tease them up to, you know, to 14 and a half. Like that feel like that's, that's a leg that you could use this week as well. But uh, I think Seattle is a side that I'm, I'm pretty heavily leaning into this week. See, I went the other way with the teaser, though, two and a half. I don't, I don't know that 49ers going to cover this. I need it to stay kind of close, too, because I doubt they would be running Lance in a game where they're blowing them out. You know what I mean? So yeah. there is that. But, no, I'm, I'm with you. Like, I, I'm not sold on the Niners at all. But at the same time, that weather game, we don't, we don't know. But yeah. it, it's not off to a good start. I'm kind of – I'm leaning on the big favorites this week, to be honest. I think it's a bounce-back week for them, and things kind of go the other way. Your your Packers double digits over your Bears, your Broncos double digits over your Texans, things of that nature. I would say the 49ers I'm the least confident in mm-hmm. because, uh, you know, Seattle definitely didn't deserve to win that game, and they did. John, you're 100% right about that. But they were probably a little bit better than I gave them credit for. And the Niners, we didn't learn anything in, you know – uh, that mucky game in Chicago, but I, they still held the Bears scoreless for three and a half quarters and somehow lost that game. I'm not totally convinced that the Niners should be laying this many points against anybody. But, uh, you know, we Steve and I talked to the board on Tuesday's podcast a little bit, and we're going to close out in uh, our final segment with our best bets. So I'm going to touch quickly on some props that I'm, I haven't bet any yet, but they're opening up as we record kind of on DraftKings Sportsbook and uh, wanted to get your thoughts on it. But first, while we're talking about that Denver-Seattle game, let's talk about the Denver backfield, because that was a weird distribution. It was going to be Javante Williams' year, um, you know, coming in fresh legs over a guy like Melvin Gordon. He only carries it seven times against Seattle, but he has 12 receptions. I don't think anybody saw that coming. Melvin Gordon takes the bulk of the carries. He goes over his rushing prop. Williams goes under. Um, Williams was in the high fifties. Gordon was in the high thirties. Now these props against the Texans, awful run defense that just gave up 160 to Jonathan Taylor in a game that Tex- the Texans were up the whole time. We got Javante Williams at 59 and a half, Melvin Gordon at 53 and a half. Are either of these guys a play or are you guys scared, John, to go back to a Denver backfield that maybe we need to see what the realistic distribution will be like in a game script that maybe goes more in Denver's favor? I'm scared of them. Okay. That was that was weird, man. I mean, that was like really weird. The Seattle defense, when you look up what they did, uh, I mean, it's only one week, but 
against the running backs in the pass game, like they look like far and away the worst ones. But I mean, they they saw the volume, so like Denver was dinking and dunking, which was odd, just because of you know who else they have on that team. I'm definitely scared of what that would look like because I don't think it's going to look like that going forward. I would say I, I wasn't that surprised maybe that, than you guys were. I mean, if we're being fair, you know, where did Hackett come from? He came from the Packers. And this is kind of how they use Jones and, and A.J. Dillon. Like there really wasn't, uh, you know, I guess you could, it's fair to say that Aaron Jones was the RB1, but Dillon was involved enough that, you know, it wasn't like that Jones was going to run away with the carries or whatnot. So, and they even said before the game, they were going to kind of ride with the hot hand. And I would say neither of them was overly efficient. So uh, Williams really started off with the carries in the beginning and then it kind of went towards Gordon. So I don't think it was overly too surprised to see how that distribution went, but they brought Gordon back on that one-year contract. I think they're going to just milk that as much as they can until they can really bring up Williams where they need him to go. So in the beginning here, I think it's fair to say that this is going to be a pretty even split as the year goes on. I would not be surprised if we start seeing a shift towards 60, 40 or whatever ends up being, you know, 70, 30 near the end of the year. But I think for now, at least, I think it's going to be pretty evened out between the two. So I'd be looking to stay away from any running back props with this, with this Broncos team at this point. All right. Washington at Detroit. Um, Antonio Gibson tried to lose his job in camp. And then super unfortunate situation for, for Brian Robinson. And now it's just lands back in, in Gibson's hands. And he puts up 130 combined yards in week one in that win over Jacksonville. Now he gets another soft matchup against Detroit. Now, I do lean to the Detroit side of this game uh, in terms of who wins it, which may be less favorable of a game script for running the ball with Gibson. But Detroit does not have a good run defense. They gave up chunk yardage right. to, to Miles Sanders and the Eagles, uh, some of those other backs in week one. Antonio Gibson, 59 and a half on DK Sportsbook. He's got to be the guy for them. And this is, you know, a tight game, regardless of who you like in terms of the spread. I think Gibson might get there again in terms of yardage, a guy that everybody wanted to go against before the season. And now maybe the narrative hasn't fully shifted yet in terms of how much volume Gibson's getting. Now, what are the odds that the guy's about to lose his job and the other guy gets shot? Like, that's just, that's ridiculous. Like, how does that even happen? You know, I, mean, I remember when I read that, I was like, what? But, I mean, th- that's unfortunate. What I'm looking for is uh, Carson Wentz over uh, – his number just came out, like, while we're sitting here. It's 241 and a half passing yards. That feels kind of low. The only thing that does scare me is that Troy can't stop the run. So, you know – what happens when Washington, it works, and they, they just don't go away from it. But I think Detroit will score on them too. So we could be looking at like a, a bad team shootout type deal. You know what I mean? And, and at the end of the day, to get over 241 and a half yards, you don't need to have – like you don't need to set a record, you know, just 241 and a half yards. So that's something I'm definitely going to be looking for. The Antonio Gibson rushing number, do, do we know a, a reception – number on him yet have you seen one of those um let me see if i can dig that up while we because he caught a, a ton of balls the other day which again was another thing we're not no we're not there either. yet so yeah we're not there we yet. That, that's something to look for too he also DraftKings gives that rush plus plus reception yards market yep that's it he's one that falls into there because he could have a monster game either way Whereas, you know, sometimes, 
you know, it, it doesn't work out like that. But no, he Antonio Gibson's definitely in play for as long as the Robinson kid's out. And especially against Detroit. Yep. Um, okay, so one other guy that I, I regret kind of in week one not playing some of the bigger names at high numbers. You're Justin Jefferson at around 80 receiving mm-hmm. yards. Jonathan Taylor in the mid-90s. I said, let's just see how it goes. Jonathan Taylor, buck 60. Justin Jefferson, 170, whatever. Um, I think I'm going to go to Jonathan Taylor over 96 and a half rushing yards against Jacksonville. The Colts were down 20 to three in that game. And Jonathan Taylor, I know it went to overtime, still gets 31 carries on his way to 161 yards. They are going to feed him regardless of game script against Jacksonville. And I do think they bounce back against Jacksonville. So if you're ahead, great plays right into Taylor. Jonathan Taylor's gone for a hundred plus yards against Jacksonville. Um, you know, on a numerous occasions and uh, flirted with some rushing records in these type of games. I'm going to Jonathan Taylor over here. I'm not thinking about, oh, it's high. Let's see what his role is this year. I'm, I'm going Jonathan Taylor over 96 and a half. Uh, I assume no pushback. It's either an over or pass for you guys. I, I could take that. Well, the other- Go ahead, Steve. Yeah. I, I was going to say, too, and then uh, involved in the passing game, too. Seven targets mm-hmm. in that game, caught four. That, I think, does have uh, to and that's do even, with the trailing factor of it, though. Yeah. yeah. But that's even with Hines active. Like, that's really what Hines was brought for, What, what was that role in the passing game. But, you know, maybe this is more uh, contingent on the um, – on the quarterback with Matt Ryan, right? Like maybe that's kind of more of what we could see uh, moving forward. Cause they're always going to have Taylor on the, on the field for the majority of the time. It's not going to be behind. So maybe this ends up being a nice bump for Taylor in the receiving game too, as well. So uh, yeah, I'm with you. I mean, you're not taking an under on Jonathan Taylor at this point. Like, it would just be absurd. Even though to be fair, you know, one of the smash plays of the week, even though it was minus two sixty, was Taylor anytime touchdown, and that almost didn't happen. Like that was that was <laughs> that, but that was looking real ugly for a minus two sixty prop, right? Um, but yeah, I, I'm with you. He should be going all over this Jacksonville Jaguars run defense. They're not going to really have much to stop him there. I will say though, I think that could be an interesting game for an under under forty five and a half points. Um, I, you know, I, for as bad as the Colts looked. Last week, oh, are you shaking no, your head? No unders, no unders, no unders. <laughs> John doesn't do unders. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we don't do well, hey, Nobody no likes bet. to do unders. Nobody Over likes to do no unders. Bet. Oh, that's fair. No, that's fair. Um, but I, I do think for even though for as much as the Colts didn't look great last week, um, they still only held the Texans to twenty points. So, and I would say that the Texans were the better team last week. So, um, going up against Jacksonville, I know they have a couple decent wep- weapons with Ingram and whatnot that they brought on. Um, but I do, I do, do think this is an under game as well, under forty five and a half. I can see that. I also, to to your point though uh, about Taylor rushing all over these guys. I mean, not to diss Antonio Gibson, but a guy who was about to lose his job, you know, 14 carries, 58 yards. I mean, he never could get it going running. Like, for him, that's really good. So, yep. imagine what happens when Taylor sees these guys. Like, he's a completely different animal. Oh, we know what happens because yeah. we've seen I mean, it in yeah, past years when he goes for almost 200 yards. Exactly. So, I mean, yeah, um, you're right. I hate those big numbers too, man. But at the, at the end of the day, then, then you look at the, you watch the game and you're like, dude, why didn't I take that? The guy has it at halftime and you're like, dude, right. they just scared me off by saying Taylor wouldn't go for a hundred. 
Like how? Yeah. how like how many times? Yeah. Do, how many times do you look at like an absurd number for Lamar Jackson rushing, and it's like, well, he doesn't in one run, yeah, so that was exactly. stupid anyways. I, mean, I should have just taken it. He's, off, he's a good example. Yep. Then, then that you was on the game. That was me week one. Afraid to take the big Taylor number. Afraid to take the big Jefferson number. They absolutely smash, and instead well, I'm Devontae at, Adams too. Right. I Adams. Instead, I'm sitting there looking at, uh, you know, Damian Pierce over 47 and a half yards because he looks so great. And then he doesn't even have his role. He's a rookie and his role is gone. Go with the guys that you trust. Um, I don't even is a receiving. I was going to go somewhere else, but is receiving yards out for Adams against Arizona. Um, Um, I like usually receiving yards. It looks like they came out first, but I don't see. Devontae Adams, 93 and a half receiving yards against Arizona. Much better matchup than the Chargers. Caught 10 of 17 for a buck 41 against the Chargers. Now he gets this Arizona defense that just got shredded by the Chiefs. I think Devontae Adams has a 100-yard game. See, I'm scared again now. I saw the number. I'm like, oh, I'm scared now. Big. That's what they do to you, man. These books, it's like a psychological game. All right, well, psych. Oh, they'll mess with you. Yep, they'll mess with you. All right, I did have one more circle here I want to talk about before we get out of here, unless you guys have some closing thoughts. And that one is Chase Edmonds receiving yards. He caught all four of his targets for 40 yards against the Patriots in week one in a lower scoring game, in a game that the Dolphins were playing from ahead uh, virtually the entire way. This Ravens team, while they blew out the Jets, so game script set up for the Jets to be throwing, and they don't have a ton of receivers, obviously, around uh, Joe Flacco. Those backs in Michael Carter and uh, Brees Hall combined for almost 80 receiving yards in that game against Baltimore. This one opened 18 and a half. Last night, it immediately got bet to 21 and a half. Now it's sitting at 23 and a half for receiving yards for Chase Edmonds. I still think that five-yard gap is is – not enough to keep me off considering I see, you know, 30, 40, 50 receiving yards here on four or five catches for a guy like Chase Edmonds, probably trailing at Baltimore here. Uh, Steve, you're nodding thoughts. Um, I don't hate it. I don't love it. Uh, I'm, I'm just not there yet. Obviously, Mostert wasn't overly involved in that game last week. He can catch two as well. But, you know, obviously Edmonds is the guy that they want to use uh, front and center. I, I'm not there. I'm, I'm not there. I'm not there. What was the 38 and a half you said? No, no, no. What, 23 and a half. 23 and a half. Oh, 23 and a half? That is, okay. <laughs> that's not a, yeah. That, that's that's not, for some reason, I thought that's I heard different. 38 and a half. Okay. Yeah. If you're 23 right, well, and a half, we just, now we just wasted all of your dumb analysis on the wrong number and you actually like the over. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, all right. John will pay attention. We, we got the them. only thing I'm scared of is what if the Jets are a throw of the running back team? You know what I mean? Like that—that's what they want to try to do. But at the end of the day, yeah. the number's so low that it's like, you know, well, it's, and a half I, I get what you're—I get what you're saying there. And I would be maybe more afraid if Edmonds had like two catches for twelve yards in Week One. Yeah, but he had four for forty. Yeah, so okay, no Miami saying, will uh, do that. How many targets? Uh, uh, four. He, he... Ca- he caught all four of them. Four. Okay, all because his like one thing that I like the yardage for is. Uh, Whenever you see the receptions come out, and it came out at, on Edmonds at two and a half minus one seventy, so that's unbettable. You know what I mean? You can't bet. Right. But that leads me to all right. Well, what's his receiving yards number then? Because you know maybe we could get that market. And yeah, I can definitely see how you got there. No doubt. All right. Well, I know we had John on, so we had to go player prop heavy in this segment. And of course, overs only. Sorry that Steve offended you by bringing up an under there. Um, You can do under if you like money. 
but <laughs> we do like <laughs> action. Um, all right. Any any parting thoughts on the uh, the week two NFL slate, guys? I I don't remember a time where we got a better Thursday game. I mean, so that's good. It takes away from the yeah. weekend, but at the same time, I mean, I'm going to be all over that Washington, Detroit, those the quarterback right. and then the reception yardage yeah. for Washington, just because I I think they want to throw the ball because they were winning against Jacksonville and they were still throwing. So like that just might be a thing, right? So what do we think, real quick? I'm I know I said parting thoughts. Now I'm going to ask one more question because <laughs> that Eagles Lions game. Uh, good call by Steve betting the over on that game in week one as his best bet on our show. And it lands on what was that 73 points, 38 to 35. Yeah. Yeah, So so I just want to know who, because now I'm looking at, I think the Vikings can really move the ball. I'm looking at the over 50 and a half on the Monday night game between Vikings and Eagles, but I'm also looking at a Washington Detroit over. And obviously the question is which team had more to do with it or are both of those really over teams? I think Detroit had more to do with it. The the defense, Detroit's defense. And then the fact that once they start getting there, they're getting slaughtered. They don't really quit. So now they're scoring. You know what I mean? So that's, that's one reason why I'm looking at Washington. I'm like, that's a totally under looking team. They're totally undercover. Like no one's going to be like, Oh, they got Carson Wentz. You know, they're going to go off. You you know what I mean? Like no one's saying that. So that that feels the volumes right. there, the volumes there. Yeah, because I mean, think about it like this: like Jalen Hurts was, I mean, just killing them with uh, AJ Brown. I mean, AJ Brown's nasty. Don't get me wrong, but at the same time, like it's Jalen Hurts throwing the ball, and I mean, he just he was killing them. So I don't know. I think it's Detroit's defense. All right, there we go. Uh, thank you to John Heislop from Odds Checker coming on the Unreasonable Odds podcast. Uh, Steve and I will be right back to close out the podcast with some best bets for NFL Week 2. All right, thanks for all, man. John Highslop there joining us on the show, talking about some props here. We're going to get to our best bets here on the board. We're recording this on Thursday, so keep that and bear that in mind here. Julian, what's your best bet here for week two on DraftKings Sportsbook? Okay, so on Tuesday, I did mention the Bengals minus six and a half on DK Sportsbook. It moved all the way to eight. It's come back down to seven, and seven is the the number that I would still yep. get after it at. That's going to be my best bet. I am very confident that, the favorites, the square favorites kind of come out this week after so many fell in week one. Dallas in 2020, after Dak went down and got hurt with that leg injury, they lost six of their next seven games. Average loss was by 18 and a half points. The first one after Dak went down was a home game against the Cardinals. They lost it 38 to 10. Bengals just came off a game. They had five turnovers. Steelers had none. And since he got two kicks in the air to win the game, one gets blocked, yeah. one misses. Just regression all over the place. Since he's going to be better, Dallas can't move the ball. Since he's going to get out to a lead and and blow out in this one, I think. But I do. I will quickly mention on Tuesday we kind of said Steelers Pats was a stay away game. Yeah, I'm betting the I bet the Patriots money line at minus one twenty in this game. They're going to bounce back. They're not going to turn the ball over against the Steelers. It's kind of the opposite effect of betting the Bengals. Steelers should have gotten blown out. In that game, they couldn't move the ball. They got doubled in yards, five to nothing turnovers. Watt goes down. Najee Harris is hurt. One of the cornerbacks is banged up. 
Patriots just need to take care of the ball and they're going to win that game in Pittsburgh. TJ Watt going on IR earlier today too as well. So that defense is going to be much different looking. I'm going with a six-point teaser as I usually do here. Starting off with the Bengals there, getting them down to one. Uh, They should bounce back tremendously against this Cowboys team who is just looking absolutely decimated at this point with Dak Prescott out of the mix like the Bengals to bounce back here. And then I'm teasing up the Seahawks. Kind of mentioned that earlier here, getting up to 14 and a half. You got teasers uh, uh, galore here on the show. We love to do that there, but get the Seahawks plus 14 and a half. Get the Bengals down to minus one. That is your two-team six-point teaser on DraftKings Sportsbook. Minus 120 on that one there. I think two teams that should cover uh, – very easily with those two numbers there. So I like those two as my teasers for this week. Any closing thoughts before we wrap it up? I think that might be the first teaser we've given on the podcast where we get you up over two touchdowns and the hook, 14 and a half. That's an interesting key number. And yeah, I mean, I don't see that just with the Niners offense. I don't see them winning by more than two touchdowns against almost anyone right now. So you know how I feel about the Bengals. I'm on board. Of course, yeah. Thanks for coming. All right, that's going to do it for this week two edition of the Unreasonable Odds podcast. We're going to let Samir edit this thing up. He's having a bad day. We're going to get it back to Samir. Samir, I hope your day gets better. Feel better. Julian Edlow. For Julian Edlow, I'm Steve Buchanan. We'll catch you next week on for week three on Tuesday. Odds and lines are subject to change. If you know anyone that has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 